the book of Acts. Hallelujah. The manifestation of the glory of God in the life of the church. <laughs> He's not a God that's just in a book. The same power you read in the book is the same power that lives on the inside of you. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40, we find these words, and it says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen to the reading of his word. I want to talk from the subject dedicated to winning. Dedicated to winning. Dedicated to winning. Last week we talked about destined to win. That's our destiny. This week we want to talk about the dedication necessary so that we can actually win. You know, I'm a little slow, but sometimes I'm slow for a purpose. Sometimes when things first open up or first come out, a lot of people want to run and get there. You know, I sort of let the crowd go. You know, you try to get a Popeye's chicken sandwich these days, and you may not come out alive. <laughs> I'll wait, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'll wait. It's, that's okay. You go right on ahead. But I finally got mine on Monday. It's good. It's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> I ain't fighting you for it, but it's, 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 it's all right. But as many of us know, the, the Museum of African American History opened up a few years ago. And in order to go, you had to get tickets, like a lottery type of system. And so I always wanted to go, but I decided I would, I would wait. But on this past Thursday, I was actually able to go with some fellow pastors and leaders in the community, uh, mixed multitude, black, white, Hispanic, we all went down and were able to experience the museum. If you have not done that, I would highly recommend that you get there um, and see uh, 
what a beautiful experience that it is. But it does require your whole person to be there. Not only are you going to walk about a mile and a half to go through the whole exhibit, but your mind has to be engaged uh, with what took place. And your heart is going to be moved. You may get a couple apologies. You may have some weeping tears in there. It, it requires your whole body, mind, and your heart to be there. But a couple of notes that I, that I did take, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I just let you know that sin is a destructive force. What you see blatantly is that sin is a destructive force. And God was not lying when he said the love of money is the root of all evil. He knew exactly what he meant when he said that. And you get to see the plight of people fighting just to be considered human, not yet alone free. And, and you, you, you absorb it and, and you, you take it in and, and, and go. I'm telling you, I'll go with you. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. But as you move in time, as you come closer to time, the one thing that really stood out to me was that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Some of the exact same things that were happening way back are still happening now. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. See, when something is rooted in there, it's rooted in there. And unless God, he himself, plucks it up, it's going to stay rooted in there. And in this case, it might be a little bit challenging, but I'm also reminded that what was still was. And when we can go back and look at the early church, we can see the foundation and history of the early church. And understand that we're not just destined to win, but we've got to be dedicated to winning. See, because the early church turned the world upside down. And I don't know about you, but I want to turn this world upside down. I want to see God moving so powerfully that the world is turning upside down. So we got to look at the disciplines that, that the early church had, the dedication that they had to winning, so that we can do the exact same. Because if they did it, we can do it. If they, if they can move mountains, we can move mountains. If they can impact their neighborhoods, we can impact our neighborhoods. But there's some, some habits of winning habits that we've got to be dedicated to if we're going to see the victory. Are you with me? We know in the book of Acts, we talked about this. I'm not going to dive too deeply in it, but Luke was writing. He was writing about the, the acts of the apostles, the early apostles and the early church. In particular, he was talking about Peter and he was talking about Paul. And we hear in chapter 1, we see that the Holy Spirit was promised. And then in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the, those that were gathered in the upper room. And, and, and you saw it was like uh, tongues of fire that was sat on each of them. And they began to speak in unknown tongues. Tongues that they didn't know, but, but the God, people were able to hear God in their own language. We see in chapter 2 that the assignment of, of our church was given. The assignment was to be a witness to Jesus Christ. To be a witness to who he is. The witness of the fact that he died, was buried, and rose again. And has all power in his hand. That is the correct 
correct assignment of the church. And the third thing that we saw and we talked about last week is that not only was the Holy Spirit given, not only was the assignment given, but that he gave us each other. He gave us the church, that we don't have to walk through this alone, but that there's a body of believers that are moving forward in the power of God. I said I got to teach today because I want to make sure that when we hear the word win and winning, that we're all on the same page. So I want to define winning for us as a believer. Winning is this. Winning is Christ is seen and God is glorified. So winning means Christ is seen and God is glorified. In Philippians 1, 19 to 20, Paul's talking about some of the hardships. And he says this, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm going to get out of this. He says, according to my expectation and hope that in nothing I will be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. In other words, he said, I know I'm going to get out of this because you're praying for me and God is supplying. But I don't want to be ashamed of this gospel. I want to be bold that Christ would be enlarged or magnified in me, whether I live or die. So that his purpose was winning was that Christ be magnified. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, bear with me verse for a little bit. He says this, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So, so there we get our definition that we want to see Christ magnified or enlarged in us and that we want God to be glorified. So if those things are happening, that's what winning is all about. So, so winning is not me getting what I want or what I think should happen. That's not winning. Winning is really the Father's will being done in my life and being done so in my life that other people can see that there's a value to to knowing Jesus in your life. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? That the winning is taking place, that God's will is being done in your life so readily and so visible that people can see that there's a value in knowing and serving this Jesus. Are you with me? And if we're going to win, we have to be dedicated to the winning habits. Somebody say dedicated. Dedicated, I mean this. It means steadfast. It said in verse 42 that the apostles were steadfast. Steadfast or dedicated. It means, literally the word means remaining by one side. Meaning that I'm not leaving this. Okay? I'm sticking to it. In other words, you give oneself entirely to it. That's what dedication is. And I'm reminded of uh, uh, another friend I had in college. He went to college. He did okay. Come on. We can all bear witness. Everybody ain't cum laude. Right? Some of us are thank you laude. We know. Right? (laughs) Come on in here. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) He was bright, but he loved the party. He was bright, but he loved the college experience. And so when he graduated, his grades weren't really what they needed to be to get the type of job that he really wanted. So when he graduated, he took a job, and he was running a a restaurant, and it was a management position, but it wasn't what he really wanted. So after working that job for about two years, he went back to school. Not to get a master's, but he got another bachelor's in computer science. And so when he went back to school, he was a straight-A student, right? And then he went to work for the big firm, which he really wanted to do in the first place. But the first time, he was partying and hanging and carrying on. You see what I'm saying? But then after working in the local restaurant, right, 
he realized that I can actually do better than this. My abilities are greater. So the next time he went back, he was what? Dedicated. You follow it? See, there's a difference. We can be around but not dedicated. Dedication. Winning takes dedication. Winning takes dedication. And when you get tired of losing, <laughs> which I'm talking to somebody, when you get tired of losing, when you get tired of feeling stuck and not knowing what to do, when you get tired of living a 500 life, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. When you get tired of that, going through that, and you realize that the Holy Spirit is really challenging you, and it's really calling you, and it's really provoking you to be all that he's called you to be, it's going to take some dedication to do it. Are you with me? We got to be willing to do what it takes. Proverbs 28, 19 says this, whoever works his land, say his land, will have plenty of bread. <laughs> See, whoever works his land, somebody say his land. See, you got to work your land. Stop looking at your neighbor's land. Okay? Stop looking at real housewives on television and, and their fake land. See, we spend so much time involved in other people's land that our land is barren because we haven't worked it. <laughs> see, see we, he says whoever works their land, right? See, if you're dedicated to working what God has given you, see, you can't work what God has given me. You can't direct my, what God has given me. You can't orchestrate what God, this is not yours. Yours is yours. God has given you enough for yourself. <laughs> Stay away from here. <laughs> Come on in here. Work whoever is dedicated to his land will have plenty of bread. See, I'm not going back into it. We got to talk about bread. Bread, that means you have ingredients to make it. See, there's certain things that God will enable us to do on our own. Yes. See, manna is, comes from God. You can't do nothing about manna. If God's got you on a manna diet, I got it. I've been there. That means there's nothing you can do about it. He's got to be the one that supplies. But when you're breaking bread, that means there's some stuff you can do. <laughs> there's some dedication you can work, right? And then you'll get some bread. Are you following? But he says that he that pursues worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. In other words, that if, if what you're chasing and what you're dedicated to is worthless, it's going to lead to poverty. So we got to ask ourselves, is what I'm dedicated to worthwhile? Is what I'm dedicated to worthwhile? And more importantly, as a believer, we got to ask ourselves, are we, is it worthwhile seeing Jesus revealed in our lives? Is that really worth what it's going to take in order to see that happen? Because some of us might not believe it's worth the while. But if you think that Jesus being magnified in your life is worth the while, it's going to take some dedication to some things. The Bible says that the, the, the church was there. There's about 3,000 who had come to Christ, and they were together. And the Bible says that they were dedicated or steadfast to the apostles' doctrine. Somebody say apostles' doctrine. Doctrine was more than just a set of beliefs, right? We understand that doctrine is a set of beliefs. We, we, we get that, but it's more than that. And trust me, I understand. We got to better understand our doctrine. Okay, something you're going to see oh, 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 and coming up real soon is that we got to better understand our faith. Yeah. 
Okay? We just can't go to church. Because it's the feel-good place. See what I'm saying? It's the pick-me-up spot. Come on in here. Come on. Right? No, there's something to this faith. And we've got to understand that. 2 Timothy 2.15, i got to teach for a bit. He says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, we've got to understand our faith. And it does matter what we believe. Because ultimately, who you are is going to be reflected in what you believe. See, we've got to understand that there's really only one true God whole bunch of many gods, but there's really only one true God. The devil has power. Yes, he does, but he does not have all power. There's only one true God. And, and we know that God is what? He's good, right? And so when I really understand that, it, it helps my perspective in life because not only does God control what's good, God also controls what's bad. You see what I'm saying? And so, yes, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And just because something bad is happening in my life, doesn't mean that God is not in control. Because when I understand theology that there's only one true God, and that God is good and all things are good, and that, yes, I know bad things happen, but just because something bad is happening in my house, it's because my mortgage is about to go into floor closure, does not mean that God is not good and that he's lost control. The doctor says it's cancer. That don't mean that God's not good and that he's lost control. He's still in full control of all things. All things go by him. <laughs> See, but when I understand that, then I realize that all things are still working together <laughs> for the good of them who love the Lord. See, that's theology. So when I'm going through hard times, it's, it's my doctrine and understanding of who God is that helps me walk through it. Because if I didn't have that, I might kill myself. No, seriously. That, that's why. Because I think all hope is lost. But if I understand that, I don't got to overdose on these pills. I don't got to shoot myself because why? God is still in control. Tomorrow will be another day. See, I got to push myself up out the bed. Come on and hear somebody. Put my feet on the ground. Get in the shower. Put some clothes on. And if I don't got a job, go volunteer someplace. <laughs> because tomorrow will be another day. God is still yet in control. So yes, we, we have to understand doctrine. But it's beyond just understanding the belief system. The Bible says that they, this really meant that they adhered to the behaviors of what they were taught. Right? And so it wasn't just a, a, a thinking process, but they actually adhered to the behaviors of what they were taught. In other words, it's not passive learning, but it was active learning. See, I, I love my son when he plays basketball, and he does, he does great on the court. And, I, you know, I taught him some things. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm his trainer. <laughs> Your son's smooth. Yeah, I taught him. See? But the reality is, there's certain things he needs to do that I can't show him. Because I can't do it my own self. <laughs> you follow? I can talk about go through the legs and hit and then cross back in one move. That's great. 
but I can't, you better watch Kyrie do that because I, I can't do that myself. But the thing is, when, when he's being trained by somebody that can actually show him how to do it, it's not good enough for him to just come to the workout and watch them do it and even do it while they're there. <laughs> because if he's going to get any better, he's got to actually go home. <laughs> Come on, and, and start doing that himself. I don't care how much you teach him how to shoot. If you don't shoot shots during the week on your own, you're not going to get any better. I don't care how much dribbling clinics you go to. If you don't go home and get the ball in your garage and start <laughs> going back and forth and your mama yelling at you, stop dribbling that ball in the house. If you don't start doing what you need to do, <laughs> You're not going to get any better, right? It doesn't matter how many sermons we hear about forgiveness. If we don't actually go home and practice it over and over and over and over and over and over again, it don't matter how much you talk about giving me. If I never give a dime, if I never give anything of my time, if I never practice it over and over again, Acts of mercy, if we, if we don't give acts of mercy, if we don't do it, it ain't going to happen. Dedication to winning requires dedication to doctrine. Dedication to winning requires dedication to doctrine. 1 Timothy 4, 15 says this. I love it. He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Dedication. He didn't say half-heartedly, right? He said, give yourself entirely to them. Why? That your progress may be evident to all. That's deep right there. See, he's telling the pastor of the church, right? You can't pastor the church if you're not in your own word. You, you, you can't pastor the church if this word's not helping you to grow. You can't pastor the church if people can't see that you're growing. Because if you're the same person with the same attitude, with the exact same message, and you're never growing, then how do you expect the church to actually grow? See, this is what he tells them. He says, give yourself a tithe that your progress may be evident to, uh, to all. Then he says this, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continuing them, right? He said, take heed to yourself, right? He didn't say, look at Jake's. Huh? He didn't say that. He didn't stay Steve Furtick. <laughs> he said, take heed to what? Yourself. Continuing that, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You want to talk about winning. See, this is winning. See, your marriage actually can win <laughs> if you pay attention to the doctrine. When that says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. See, when you, when you pay attention to that, <laughs> you, you actually can win. See, when it says, honor your husband and as unto the Lord, see, you, you, you think to get better if you actually pay attention to the doctrine that is actually being taught. See, your children could be restored when you pay attention. See, I tell people all the time, bringing your children to Sunday school isn't going to help them that much. You said, oh, you being me. No, I'm not. You practicing this at home will help them a whole lot better than bringing them to Sunday school. See, when all the cussing and fussing you do, <laughs> if the cussing and fussing goes down because the word is in you, 
See, this gospel thing then is real then. See, <laughs> because mama ain't fussing and cussing like she used to because she getting in this word. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> See, that tells me that this, there's something to this. <laughs> Because she used to hide, get ready to slap me and let me have two words I didn't want to hear. But now that she's been her word, you see what I'm saying? Now she, oh, her hand might go up, but then she come back, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. When she starts that, then, oh, this, this God must be really real. Because three years ago, she would have knocked the mess right up out of me and told me something. There's a power in this word. Ain't no Sunday school class going to duplicate that. We can see a, a generation of skeptical people come back to the Lord if we pay attention to this doctrine. If the church would practice what it preaches. A whole generation could be coming back to the Lord because it's not just a bunch of talk, but there's actually some evidence because the people paid attention to doctrine. Say dedicated to doctrine. I got to move on. The Bible says that the, the 3,000, they were dedicated, steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. There was a couple of other things that they were steadfast. I'm going to skip over it and talk about it next time. It's fellowship, and he talked about the breaking of bread. But the second thing I want to talk about today is something called prayer. Somebody shout prayer. Prayer, prayer we know, is simply is this communication with God. But the importance of prayer is this. Prayer shows dependency on God. Watch this now. It shows dependency on God. When you pray, that shows that you are dependent upon God. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we ought to love God. Anybody love God? Amen. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Right? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Not praying says we are indifferent about who God is in our lives. Did you hear that? Not praying says we are indifferent about who God is in our lives. A lot of relationships have this problem. Married couples, too. Something called the silent treatment. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> Come on in here. It's about to get tight, but it's right. You know. I'm going to walk right past you like you're not even here. See, I'm not speaking to you because not speaking to somebody is to let them know that you want them to feel the pain of your absence. Right? That they don't matter. <laughs> and they don't make a difference in your life. Come on in here. It is controlling and narcissistic behavior. The devil is a liar. But that's what it is. And we walk around quiet <laughs> because I want you to feel some pain. The quiet treatment. I'm not speaking to you. It's indifferent. Married couple not consulting each other with major decisions. Huh? You don't took the kid out of the school and put him in another school and didn't tell your spouse. 
Huh? You quit your job and ain't say nothing. <laughs> Imagine that. You don't quit your job and ain't say a word. You don't bought a brand new car, didn't even talk to her about it. $35,000 spent on a brand new car, and you ain't even open your mouth. I'm in the same house. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you mean I mattered that little to you? What I thought about it mattered that little to you. <laughs> How I felt about it <laughs> mattered that little to you. My desires and interests mattered that little to you. That you would just go move without talking to me. Dedication to winning requires prayer. See, we can't move without talking to God to understand what he thinks about it, how he feels about it, what his opinion and matters is on it, his counsel on it. See, if we love God, we got to love God, not be indifferent to God. Because if we're not talking to him, that means it really doesn't matter what he thinks. <laughs> Yes, I'm dating him, and I don't care what God thinks. But then when all hell breaks, oh, God. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't care when you jumped in. But now all hell is breaking loose, and you want to call me. I'm not trying to be too deep. I'm just trying to lay something out. See, it said they were dedicated to prayer. They were praying because they always were seeking God. They were always wanting to know the counsel of God, the wisdom of God. And, 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 and the great thing about it is when we pray, I want to help us with prayer. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But when we pray, we got to learn how to pray for specific things. Because when you flip over to Acts chapter 4, you don't got to do that now, but you can read it at home. There's a great example of the early church and how they were praying. They prayed. They said this, God, you're great. You know, one of the things that we always got to do when we pray, just make sure you tell God how great he is. So that we're clear who you're talking to. We're not talking to the, the, the perhaps God or, or maybe you could do this, God, or uh, you're, you're out of stone or gold, God. But I'm talking to the true and living God. I'm talking to the God who created heaven and earth, the God who can do all things and that there's nothing too hard for him. They said, God, you're great. You've made the heavens and the earth and there's nothing too hard for you. Second thing that they did is they, they declared what God has already said in his word. They said, you said that this was going to happen. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's, it's one thing when we know that, God, I'm going through, but you said in your word, in this life, we'll have tribulations. <laughs> but to be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Are you feeling what I'm saying? See, that's what, these are the type of things that they said. They said, you know, God, we know that they hated you, and you said that they would hate us. And so now we're getting opposition. I'm not surprised by this because this is what you have already said. And we can get delivered on this third thing is that we don't have to beg God for anything. See, as believers, we don't have to beg God for anything. He's our father. We don't need to beg him. We're, we're not dogs. <laughs> Come on in here. He said that in his word. We don't have to beg God for anything. That's why the psalmist said, I have been young, but now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants or his seed begging bread. 
We're not beggars. We're children of the Most High God. And we're not going to go to God and ask him for what we need. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When the church was praying, they were asking God for what they needed. But I want to challenge us about this thing that we need. See, there's a song that I love, and I listen to it all the time because it's, it's, it's my heart's cry. It's a song by Hillsong, and it says, show me your ways, right, that I may walk with you. Show me your way that I may talk with you. The cry of my heart is to love you more and to live with the touch of your hand. Stronger each day. Show me your way. Notice he didn't say give me a million dollars because that would be nice, but that's not ultimately what I need. Come on in here. We got to get this revelation. See, the church wasn't praying for half the stuff we yabble on back and forth asking God for. God knows what our needs are in this natural realm. He knows we got to eat. He knows we got a mortgage. He knows, he knows all of those things. But when we're going through, I need the grace of God in my life. So you got to have a church that prays for the, God, I need your grace in my life. God, I need your love. God, this house is cold. God, I need your love to show up in this place. God, I need your love to be in this. I need your love coming out of me so that it just changes my husband's heart. God, God, I just need you to, your anointing and grace upon me. God, I need your patience, God. My wife is working my last nerve. God, but you got patience beyond, God. I need you to give me some of this patience, God. I need you to touch my head, God. I need you to touch my heart and allow your patience to just come oozing out of me, God. This is what I need, God. God, I need, God, I need long suffering right now. God, these people on my job are getting, God, if you don't do something up in here, up in here. God, I need your long suffering. This is what I need from the Father. I I don't just need the little pampy pampy stuff. He knows what I need. We got to ask for what I got. I need some power. God, I need power to move some mountains, God. I need power to break down some strongholds, God. I need an anointing to destroy some yokes, oh God. There's some stuff on my children, oh God. I, I, I need to walk with a power, God, when I talk to them, oh God, that there's an anointing coming on the words that come only from you, oh God. I need God, you to speak right into this ear, to go to my heart, to come back up to that. What I I say will break off jokes of bondage and destruction in my life. God, this is what I need. That's what prayer sounds like in the early church. Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We only have one supplier of all that. Did you get that? <laughs> There's only one supplier. The only one that can break the curse of bondage is God. The only one that can destroy the yokes is God. You can't go anyplace else to get that. Others might duplicate. Others might try to replicate, but they can't go. They can't do what God can do. God will let things go far to, to show you that. I don't care what the devil may try to do. He can't go as far as I can go. Sometimes we got to go through a long journey because he's going to show us that I can bring you out. I don't care how far you think you've been, how deaf you think your children are, how bad it is, how much bondage that they're in. I will show you that I'm able to do all things and do all things well. We've got one supplier, so why talk to everybody else when well, we got to talk to the only one who can do it? I love you dearly, but you can't always do what I need God to do. 
The bank can't always do it. We talking to the bank. We need to be talking to God. You talking to the car dealership? No, talk to God. He's the one. Got to be dedicated to prayer. Got to be dedicated to prayer. Talking to God, not just begging him for things. He knows that. Trust God with the daily provision. He knows. That's what he wants. Just trust me. Your needs will be met. What do you really need? What do you really want to see? Do you want to see a manifestation of healing in your life? Is that what you really want to see? You want to see the gifts of the Spirit flowing in your church? Is that what you really want to see? You want to see the power to that? You can see broken marriages come back? Is that what you really want to see? What is it that you really want to see? Sometimes at the church, I don't know if we realize that we can see a lot more if we simply ask for a lot more. <laughs> we're getting the limited supply because we're asking for a very little. And we actually had the audacity to trust God that if he could provide us with a lot more, we would actually see more. But we got to be dedicated to seeing more. Yeah, you would see more transformation if we were dedicated to wanting more from God. If that's our heart, and he'll give us more. But, Nick, more takes time. It takes time. See, if somebody said, hey, can you give me five bucks? You may say, sure. Hey, I need 5,000. Well, that's a different story. You see what I'm saying? It's not that I don't have it. <laughs> I may have to do something else to go get it for you. You see what I'm saying? God has all that he needs, but for us to be able to receive more, we got to be ready for more. <laughs> we got to be prepared to handle more. And God said, yeah, I'll give you more, but I'm going to work on you so that you can handle more. I'm going to start taking you through processing so that you can trust me so that you can handle more. I'm going to show you the power of my hand and what it's like to walk with the touch of my hand. That's going to take some time. <laughs> But that don't mean it's not going to happen just because I don't see it yet. It's on the way. It's coming. But I got to be dedicated to, to the apostles' doctrine. I got to be dedicated to prayer. I got to keep these winning habits going so that as I keep doing these things, more starts to show up in my life. My God in Zion is getting hot in here. I'm telling you. The church can have so much more. Your life can have so much more. I got to wrap this thing up, but he says that you know that we're winning, right? We talked about this last week when, when, when joy starts showing up. And I'm not going to reteach it today, but joy shows up, see? Because when God gets the glory, we get the joy. See, that, that's the backside of it. Whenever God gets glory, we get joy. That's why you need to give God the glory. So, come on in here. So that he can get the joy. We know that we're winning when we got praise going up. We talked about this last week. A winning church will always praise God. If you go into a church where they don't praise God, you better get up and leave because you're about to lose pretty soon. But a winning church will always praise God. You want to know why? Because God is getting the glory out of their life. See? The winning church understands that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where 
would I be <laughs> if it had not been for the God of all Israel making ways out of no ways, turning circumstances around, where would I be today? <laughs> A winning church understands that I'm not going to steal God's glory, but I'm going to give God all the glory. This is the Lord's doing. It's not my doing, but it's the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. I couldn't do this by myself. I don't have the strength to do this. But to God be all the glory. But here's where I got to land this thing. See, he said not only was there joy, not only was there praise, but they had favor with all people. Somebody shout favor. Somebody shout favor. We love favor. We love the favor or the grace or the blessing of God. But it's not just with God, but it's with people. <laughs> See, I've been married for 21 years. And, and, and it took me a while to realize this, but the Bible says that he that finds a wife findeth a good thing. What? And obtains favor with the Lord. I ha it took me a while to realize this, but my wife actually makes me better. <laughs> you, 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 you see what I'm saying? That, that, that my wife actually makes me better. <laughs> My wife actually caused my attitude to be just a bit better. See, my wife will make my clothing look just a little bit better. My wife will have my bow tie just be a little bit straightened up just a little bit better. My wife will help me direct my affairs of my home just a little bit So that there's some grace and blessing, see? But we got to understand that God's favor is often found in people. You see, because the favor of the Lord was found in my wife. You hear what I'm saying? But I had to practice some doctrine. I had to practice the scripture that said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You see what I'm saying? It didn't just get that way. I had to actually practice that. I had to practice some doctrine where it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. See, I had to practice that, and I'm still practicing that. Come on here with me, somebody. Listen, every day, if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got to practice that every single day of your life. We got to practice these things. I had to practice taking heed to myself and not being judgmental of her. I can't point the finger at her all the time thinking everything's her fault. I got to realize that I was jacked up, and I needed to be changed, and I needed to be by the grace of God. I had to tend to my own field and stop looking at somebody's field. I got to get the speck out of my own eye before looking at somebody else's eye. But when I practiced the doctrine, this thing started to change. I had to practice prayer. I got to pray for my wife. Father, bless my wife in the name of Jesus. Give her the grace that she needs, oh God, to be the wife and the mother that you've called for her to be. God, give her power when she's tired. When the kids at school are driving her crazy, God, give her what she needs, oh God, to go forward. Fill her heart with love. Give her the endurance that she needs, that she's not agitated and, and frustrated, but she can love and teach the way to are you hearing what I'm saying you gotta pray that God would see and when you start the habit of winning that's when favor starts to show up that's when the goodness in her starts to come 
That's when the grace starts to come out, when you start practicing habits. And we got to realize, guess what, church? This church is full of favor. When you look around at your neighbor, you see favor. When you look around at your brother and sister, you see favor. And if we had a church that practiced the habits that we're talking about, if we had a church that would just get in the Word, when the Bible says bear one another's burden, that we would truly bear one another's burdens. When the Bible says help one another, we would truly help one another. When the Bible says give and give freely, that we would give and give freely, stuff would start to happen. If we had a church where we really began to pray, not just mumble jumble about the, only the things of life, but we got God give this church some power. God, give this church an anointing. God, give this church an aroma of your fragrance uh, that the worship God would bring people in. Oh God. God, the praise would draw them in. That the word would break strongholds. Uh, that the smiles on the faces would change hearts. Uh, that the attitudes would welcome people in. That the drunk would come through the door. That the drug addict would come through the Come on in here that the cripple will walk straight, that the cancer would be healed, cancer would be encouraged. See, that's when the favor starts to show up. See, when you need $5, I got $5. God bless you. When you need somebody to help you move, I can help you move. God bless you. When you need prayer, just to get through the next day, I'm here to pray for you. Father, bless my sister. Keep her in all she's going through, that your will be done. See, that's when favor starts to show up. Things start looking different. The aura starts to change. That's when winning starts to happen. So you got to hear it. That's when joy starts to bubble up on the inside. And when joy bubbles up, praise is about to follow. Then somebody's got to praise. Somebody's got to worship. Somebody's got to thank you, Jesus. And it goes all over again. The favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord. This is a house of favor because we're dedicated. We're steadfast. We're unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And the labors not in vain. Somebody's dedicated to winning. Give God praise. Give him honor. And give him glory in the house. Dedication. I ain't leaving this thing. I ain't going nowhere. Come back tomorrow, God's by God's grace, I'll still be here. Next week, by His grace, I'm still here. I'm dedicated to winning in Jesus' name. Give Him praise, give Him glory, give Him honor, knowing that He will do all things. Favor ain't fair. But God has released favor in this place. Because it's our destiny to walk in favor. Both with God and with man. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for this house. Your hand is upon this house. God, we want to be dedicated to your doctrine, to know who you are, what you've done, 
and what that means for us. God, forgive us if we haven't been dedicated. Help us to be dedicated from this day forward. We thank you for practicing what we preach and watch your anointing flow through us. God, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the privilege to be able to pray. And we thank you that you're giving us counsel as we pray. And you're providing what we need in the name of Jesus. And we call this house blessed and we call it favored. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against, we shall condemn. God, we call everybody connected to this house blessed and favored. God, in the name of Jesus, that there'll be no lack, no need, no want, no poverty in this house. But everybody would work their soul salvation, oh God, and bread would be abundant. And we thank you for the abundance of your anointing and your grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.